Good morning. All the way in the back, I heard that. You are full of the Christmas spirit. Yes, good morning. I don't know if you're excited because it's Sunday, it's 14 days until Christmas, or it's the, you know, the battle for Ohio today. I, uh, I, I don't know where to, where to put this. I see, uh, I'm conflicted. We'll say that. I'm conflicted. Um, uh, you, you said we're not. <laughs> well, you know what? Your conscience is clear. So uh, praise God for that. I'm a little conflicted today. I'm not. I'm, I am very, uh, today is a Christmas uh, gift that I bring to you. Uh, I, I bring a gift for those that maybe are on Santa's uh, nice list. Um, there's also, uh, there's a gift here for you for maybe those who are on Santa's naughty list. Uh, but we have a guest speaker here today, a guest speaker who was, uh, he's been around here before. He, uh, you may know him, you may not know him. And uh, I'm excited just to, uh, to, to hear today uh, what God has been doing in this uh, young man's life. Um, and uh, I, uh, I, but a friend of mine this morning uh, reminded me uh, just to slow down. Can we do that this morning? Can we, before the game, before the 14 days prior to, you know, Christmas and whatever your traditions are of shopping or whatever it may be or scheduling family get-togethers, can we just, can we slow down, you know? Can we slow down? We breathe a little, receive God's peace a little more, slow down and see some of the beautiful miracles happening in front of us all the time. There's a young man right here who, uh, young man, you don't know this. What's your name? Easton? Easton, Easton, you don't know this, but um, I saw you up here and... Um, and you were looking at the lights, or at least from my vantage point, it looked like you were looking at the lights and looking at everything up here. And, man, God just blessed me by you, by seeing a child just overwhelmed in the moment. And, one, I want to say uh, thank you for not pulling him back. That's what I want to say. Thank you for that. Um, thank you for, like, just letting him go because, like, that's what Jesus said, right? Don't stop the children from coming to me. His words, not mine. This, this church, buddy, this church is your church. And I just want you to know that you have all access to Jesus. He loves you so much. You had a sparkle in your eyes, and I've been praying. They know. I've been praying for weeks and weeks and weeks Lord, return the sparkle to my eyes. And I just saw it in your eyes right here. Thank you, buddy. Jill, if you wouldn't have said that word, I wouldn't have slowed down and I wouldn't have seen this and I would have missed that moment. That was real-time stuff just now. <laughs> Slow down. Don't miss the miracle. Don't miss the miracle. Today, um, there is a word for every single person that is here today and every single person that is watching online. There is a word for you that I believe uh, God has prepared for you to be inspired to find hope in the midst of whatever your weary world is. And so I am excited to pass the microphone to an old samurai who's been up on this platform quite a few times. Friends, an early Christmas miracle. 
Would you welcome to the platform, David Vaughn. <laughs> Old samurai. <laughs> Old samurai in flannel. Hey, good morning, Whitewater. It, it, it is awesome for Donna and I to be back here. We have missed you, well, most of you. Uh, we, it is good to be back in Cincinnati. Let me tell you what, I was reminded of the different age and stage I'm in now, driving in early. You know, I, I'm as busy as I've ever been preaching, teaching, doing things. I've talked about it in a second, but uh, I don't get up that early anymore on Sunday morning. And so let me tell you what a typical morning, if I'm not speaking, doing something, teaching, preaching somewhere, Don and I, we get up, we have a church that's close to us, we go to the 8.30 service. Uh, right after the service is over, I leave immediately. We go eat breakfast somewhere, and nobody knows me, it's awesome. The waiter or waitress are not a member of Whitewater, so I don't have to tip it outrageously like I usually have to do. <laughs> then I go home, I take a nap. And then I watched the one o'clock football game. After that, I've ne never been able to do that. I just barely got home at one. So <clears throat> to say that we're excited would be an understatement. But thanks for inviting the old samurai or donkey back. And for those of you who are new or who have just joined this wonderful church in the last five and a half months and we haven't met, my name is David Vaughn. My wife's name is Donna. In a former life, I used to be the pastor here, and now I'm just the sage from the stage. That's all I'm doing, but we're doing really well. We're doing about as good as the Bengals. I noticed, by the way, that the Bengals didn't start being good until I left town. You're welcome about that. But we have not been bored to being your ambassadors on behalf of Whitewater the last five and a half months, telling people everywhere about a church that can work right. And it's still working right. I still believe in the vision of it working right. There's nothing like the church when the church is working right. And there's nothing worse when it's not. And we've been through the not and the right multiple times, iterations here. I've been able to preach and speak like 11 times uh, all over the country. The greatest thing about what I get to do now is I get to tell all those old corny jokes that I told here, and those churches think it's new and it's funny. Well, most of the time, but I've been able to do that. We've been able to coach Don and I, 16 pastors and their wives to kind of keep them in the game. Nine churches we're uh, in partnership with to help the, coach the leadership on the church working right. And what's really great is that I'm getting to travel in different tribes that I never had the ability to travel in or the time to travel in, in the big C church. So I'm coaching Christian churches, Methodist churches, Baptist churches, Assembly of God churches, community churches, Nazarene churches, Tangerine church. I'm, I'm, I'm coaching them all. And we have some incredible opportunities coming up for Devon Consulting in 2023, all made possible because of your support of me and sending us off to bless the church at large. And so I, every day we are thankful for Whitewater. I have met... Many of you in the church members and leaders that we have been working with, they have a different face, they have a different name, oh, they're so you. I'll often say to Donna or myself, they're so-and-so, they're so-and-so, they're so-and-so, they're just in a different church. Some of God's greatest people are in churches all across the world that are stuck 
And after visiting numerous other churches, I can tell you this right now. I spent 20 years here. And here's the thing. The more you're around a church like Whitewater, the more you take it for granted until you travel out and see a non-Whitewater church. Whitewater is a special place. Don't you dare take it for granted. I'm traveling from church to church to church. I wish there were more Whitewaters. I wish there were more John Tizoviches. I wish there were more churches working right. Don't take your elders here. Don't take your members here. Don't take your staff here and your new lead pastor here for granted. They're not everywhere. They're not perfect. We didn't, I wasn't perfect. But man, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. I've been watching the messages. I've been keeping up with things as best I can. I'm a huge fan of this current hope initiative on the weary world, which is it's just classic whitewater, pointing to that ultimate hopeful initiative in history where Jesus came to planet Earth as a baby. I'm a fan of the weary world hope initiative. I'm not a fan of Greg Nettle getting up here last week with them red or orange shoes on. I don't know what he had on. Talking about how he was younger than me, that was such a lie. I'm going to talk about aging in a few. But other than that, Greg Nettle, we were buddies. His message was awesome. That BB illustration, I'm stealing that, and I'm not even going to give him credit. I'm going to use that. But what a great mentor to and for JT. And since JT and I talk regularly, I know that right now the Whitewater Church family is currently experiencing one of those significant financial gaps that I faced from time to time here. It hadn't always been candy corn and lollipops around here. Uh, I had to, we had to fill and work hard to eliminate some things that were financial gaps. So <clears throat> I'm hoping, I'm praying that if I have any influence left for you, that you will show some generous year-end giving to kind of narrow that gap fund and fuel initiatives that care for students, which is the heart of Whitewater in three different local school districts, provide investments to start new churches and new schools in the partnership with Stadia that Greg talked about last week. So it is my hope, it is my private and my public prayer that you will plan to dispense and deploy lots of hope and lots of help and lots of church home this month. And I guess if I had a heart, a heart plea for you today, it would be this. The kindness and the generosity that you have shown to me in responding in the past, as you've been faithful in the past with these kinds of appeals, I'm praying that you respond just as generously in the present for our weary world, for this wonderful mission, and for Whitewater's new weary lead pastor. There's a lot of weight on that guy's shoulders. So whether you give in person, you give online, it is my hope that you will continue to give. Don and I continue to give financially to this church. Even though we're in a different zip code, we still believe in what God is doing here. So as you responded to my generosity request, I hope you'll do that for this wonderful new initiative, this world initiative in our weary world. And it's all about hope. Now I have preached, I've been, I went back and counted. I have preached... 20 Christmas messages while I was your pastor. Did you know that? And sometimes we're doing four, five, six services a weekend on Christmas. I, I reviewed all of my Christmas messages as I prepped for this one. And I gotta tell you, some of my Christmas Eve messages were pretty doggone good. <laughs> Humbly speaking. I mean, I had some, I had some good ones. <clears throat> I did one called Upside Down Christmas. Oh, it was awesome. 
But then on the contrary, as I was reviewing my messages, <clears throat> I noticed that I had some that were not so good. <laughs> One Christmas Eve, I preached a message when we first opened here, why Jesus is better than Santa Claus. It was a dud. <clears throat> I remember James Hansey at that time coming up and said, David, that was a dud. I had to admit it was true. I mean, what more can a preacher say uh, after Christmas and about Christmas after 20 years? The challenge is that we kind of all know this Christmas story like the back of our hands. Some of you watching online or even in the room today may be brand new, but you know something about the Christmas story. The angel visits the Virgin Mary. Mary and Joseph make that tedious journey to Bethlehem. The humble birth of Jesus in a manger. The angels show up. The unexpected visit of the shepherds and the wise men. The story, if you're not careful, just like she shared in our communion setup, can become so familiar it becomes routine and tedious. So today, I'd like to focus on, on the Christmas story from the vantage point of someone different, someone not so familiar. One, a person's perspective I've never done before. The donkey who gave Mary a ride to Bethlehem. No, no, I'm just playing. Some of y'all, some of y'all said, I could see you doing that, David. I like to camp in Luke chapter two, and I like to approach the Christmas narrative from the perspective of two folks who are seldom mentioned. And here's the deal. They happen to be older. Older people that you're going to meet today in this text who are weary, and they lived in a weary world too. But they show us beyond a shadow of a doubt that hope and Christmas is, are for older people too. They also show us that those in the last quarter of their life can still make a huge difference when they simply focus on a child. So my message today, besides keep hope alive, in what you're doing is that hope in Christmas is for older people too. Now, since I am retired or refired, I have a new appreciation, a new perspective of what it's like to age. As you get older, here's folks who are younger here. I'm going to give you a preview of coming attractions. I'm in my early sixties. Okay. Here's what I know. I found out as you get older that you can actually injure yourself by sleeping the wrong way in the bed. I, ca I can't explain it, but the older people in the audience know exactly what I'm talking about. I also found out as you get older that the definition of elderly changes. When I was younger, I used to think people in their 60s were so old, not anymore. <laughs> Someone said that you know you're getting old when you watch reruns of Leave it to Beaver and June Cleaver looks hot to you. I know what that's like. <laughs> See, you did miss me some. There is a fascinating segment, a fascinating story about Jesus as a child, as a baby, sandwiched between the visit of the shepherds at the manger and the wise man who came months later. There appears on the world stage two senior citizens who saw the baby Jesus and proclaimed him to be the long-awaited Messiah who was going to bring hope to a weary world. We meet him in Luke chapter two, verse 22. Let me go through this section, and I wanna show you some things about how Christmas is for older people too. Notice verse 22, we'll start there, Luke two. The angels have just come, it's af right after the birth of Jesus, and it says, when the time came from the purification rites required by the law of Moses, 
Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two pigeons. Let's just stop right there. What the Bible is saying is that after Jesus was born, there was a time of purification. It was about 40 days where the new mother of a son did not come into the temple but immediately, but waited about six weeks. And after six weeks, they brought the baby to the temple. According to Leviticus, they were to bring a year-old lamb for the priest to sacrifice as a sign that she is now ceremonially clean. If the person could not afford a lamb, she could substitute two pigeons or doves, which is exactly what Mary brought. By the way, don't miss that. This is a very strong indication that Jesus' earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, were extremely poor. They could not afford a lamb. Well, what about the wise men? They had not arrived yet with their generous gift of gold. It was in that in-between period when they were really in poverty, but they didn't have abundance. And even though in a season of shortage, they gave something. <clears throat> That's why it's not the amount of gift that you give for this hope initiative. What matters is the heart behind it. As JT taught a couple weeks ago with the boy and the five loaves, two fish, little is much when you put it in the master's hand. Every single one of you in this room, every single person watching online can give something to help our weary world, to this hope initiative. Now, I don't know what you have to give. We've got some unusual gifts here in my 20 years. One Christmas Eve, we made an appeal for an initiative, and someone, pla someone placed a bag of pot in the offering. JT may have visited before he's a Christian back then, and that was his gift. I, I don't know. That wasn't in my notes, but that was pretty good. <clears throat> people, I'm just saying, people give what they have to give. That was probably the most valuable thing. I don't even remember what we did with it. I think I had some staff offer to smoke it. But anyway, <laughs> we have had some unusual gifts. Mary and Joseph, they brought a gift. Now look in verse 25. Right when they get to the temple, this occurs. We meet the first senior citizen. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. Oh, there's a lot of waiting. And it's hard to wait. Wait for the vision. Wait for the thing to happen. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That was his promise. You're going to live until you see that guy. Moved by the Spirit, <clears throat> Simeon, <clears throat> excuse me, went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now, that's a little creepy. If you're a new parent, this old dude comes over, scoops up your child. Here's what he says. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. By the way, that would have been shocking. Here's an Orthodox Jew saying that the revelation of Jesus, the coming of Jesus is not only to the Jews, it's to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The name Simeon means the Lord hears. And the Lord heard his prayer and allowed Simeon to see and to hold that long-awaited Messiah. 
There is something special about holding and having a baby at Christmas that brings great joy, is it not? Just a couple weeks ago at Thanksgiving, son Tyler and Savannah and my, our new, Don and I, new granddaughter, June Bug, came down to South Carolina. I happened to bring a few of my new granddaughter pictures. Look at that. Now tell me that's not the cutest baby ever. And there's Junebug with Donna. And here she is, I think, in the very first swing ride of her life in the little park in our community. Come on now. She's got the little Carhartt thing. I, I'm just telling you. There's nothing like kids that brings joy. And after seeing Jesus, Simeon said, Lord, I'm ready to die. I've seen your salvation. I got more pictures too after service if you want to. When he said, Lord, I've seen your salvation, this is important. Don't run past, quickly past that verse. When he said, Lord, I'm ready to die, I've seen your salvation, what had he seen? Jesus. This is important because Jesus, according to Simeon in the scripture, is not just another historical figure or a baby in a manger. Jesus is the source of our salvation. He's the ultimate hope for this weary world. That's why the key verse that our team, the teaching team here has been using is Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And Simeon predicted that that son was going to come to the Jews and the Gentiles. In case you don't know, if you're not a Jew, I doubt that all of you in this room are Jew or you wouldn't be in this building. You might be in a synagogue. You might be a Messianic Jew. But everybody else, for the most part, is a Gentile here. There's only two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles, Eastsiders and Westsiders. That's all it is, two different groups. That's revolutionary hope to bring to everyone. Okay, back to our story. After he said this, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And notice a part B, and a sword will pierce your soul. You know, every parent, every grandparent loves to hear people brag about their child. Your son is a good athlete. Your daughter's smart. Your grandchildren are beautiful. All things that are true for Don and I. But anyway, it says Mary and Joseph marveled at what was being said about that new baby. Those comments surely must have boosted their spirits. But then Simeon blurted out the part B, a disturbing prophecy. A sword will pierce your soul, Mary. Oh, this, this baby's going to bring great joy, but this baby's going to bring great pain. And this is a sense in which that's true of every child. There's great joy, but there's great heartache. The old folks say, when they're real little, children step on your toes. And then when they get older, they step on your heart. Some truth to that. And it never stops. Right when you finish worrying about your kids, at a certain age or stage, you start worrying about your grandchildren and how are they doing. And when Jesus was eventually crucified 30-some years later, Mary would have remembered what Simeon said in that part B, a sword, pain. When she saw him on the cross, I bet those words came back to mind. Well, that's the first senior citizen because Christmas is for older people too. 
Now we meet the second one in the same text. At that very moment, look at verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna. No, she's a female leader, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Now, when the Bible says she's very old, you've got to make note of that. It'll say in just a minute how, what very old is. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was how old? 84. So 84 is very old, evidently. You could call very when you get to there. She never, notice the characteristic description of her life. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Almost every church has saintly older women like Anna who are fixtures at the church and just an inspiration to everyone. They're, they're always hanging around the temple. They're known for bringing joy. They're usually praying people, encouraging people. We had one of those here during my ministry, a church matriarch by the name of Georgie Ike. You knew people, you may not know her, you may have seen her, but she wore those white-rimmed glasses. Georgie is 94 years old now. And you're not going to believe this. She's getting married. Her husband, Jack, was a great leader here. She's marrying, in just a few weeks, a guy named George, who is not, she's 94. He never said his age. I think he's a young buck. He's in his 80s. But anyway, Don and I, I was blown away. Don and I went up there. We were in a conference last month in Columbus where she lives now at a retirement facility. We met and visited with George and her fiance, George. They are so sweet. They are so cute together. We are so happy for them. I don't think they're planning on having any kids, but anyway, it's a, <laughs> I could say more. Anyway, it is surprising stuff, exciting stuff, 94 years old. Well, this woman named Anna comes up to Mary and Joseph, asks to see the baby, begins to prophesy, this child is going to redeem our nation. Interesting here, I did a deep dive into Anna and the names in this verse. The Bible notes that Anna is the daughter of Penuel, which means the face of God. Now, isn't that cool? Anna literally gets to see the face of God. It's, it's the name of her dad, but it's the name of her Savior. It's the line from Mark Lowry's Christmas song, which you hear multiple times. Mary, did you know that when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God? So Mary and Joseph, they leave the temple getting reassured by some older people that they were part of something special. God's cosmic redemptive plan is unfolding. They weren't crazy. All this waiting, all this political chaos, all this change, there's something good happening. Could I just say a word to some of you in this older season of life? Your young leaders here at this church need to hear that same thing from you too, who are older. God's cosmic redemptive plan is unfolding. Yes, there's a lot of chaos. Yes, there's a lot of change. We as older people, it's so easy to gripe. It's so easy to complain. It's so easy to talk about the good old days. And I was here during some of the good old days y'all thought were so great. Let me tell you something. They all weren't great all the time. Our job is to be the Anna, the Simeons of this wonderful multi-generational church. 
and encourage and lift them up. Even when they're learning and making mistakes, even when they're trying new bold things. One reason I like this gospel narrative account so much is it tells us that older people are included and important in the Christmas story. Sometimes we might get the impression that Christmas joy is only for children, and, and it is. But it's also for the seasoned among us as well. Christmas is for those who have seen a lot, experienced numerous Christmases. And I love the diversity here. Politicians didn't invent the idea of inclusion. God showed it from the beginning with Jesus. There is great diversity in the Christmas story. Notice here, if you read the Bible in the New Testament and talk about how Jesus came and even the birth itself, there was Jew and Gentile. There were blue-collar shepherds and white-collar wise men. There were rich people, the Magi, who brought gold. There were Joseph and Mary who brought pigeons. Most scholars believe that the Magi were dark-skinned. So there were all kinds of races included in the Christmas story to save the human race. And look at the age diversity here. Look at that. Mary was a teenager. Actually, the very first to proclaim Jesus as Messiah was an unborn baby named John the Baptist who leapt in his mother's womb at the news of Jesus' impending birth. Prenatal celebration occurred. And now we have Simeon and Anna, older people who are represented too. And it says that Anna was 84 years old, which the Bible says is very old. See, Christmas church is for older people too. God uses people of all ages and all stages. There's a tendency, and I'm already getting there, there's a tendency as we age to feel excluded or unwanted or out of touch. I'm not cool anymore. Somewhere along the line, I lost my cool with the next generation. That's why you got to have next generation leaders. You may think you're so relevant as an older person. You're not. You're just cheesy. But older people can still contribute because they're smarter, they're savvier, and they're, by the way, they're wealthier. So treat us nice. That's all I'm saying. The money for the next generation has to come from the previous generation, folks. That's why your investment is so important. So I want to encourage those of you who are 60 and older not to check out on this church. Lean in like Simeon and Anna. Be the cheerleaders for the next generation here. Someone did that to me, for me. Someone did that for us, the Georgie Ikes of our world, of our church, and now it's time we do that for them. Our young people will not use the same structure. They will not use the same staff. They will not use the same programs. They won't use the building the same way. That doesn't mean it's bad. In fact, it's likely to be better and more effective strategies than we had. But I'm saying to you, don't check out as you age out. I've been looking at the Bible on aging. Abraham was 100, 100. Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. I don't want to have any more kids at 90, but that's what they did. Moses was 80 when he was called to lead a 40-year movement. Caleb was 85 when he was given oversight of a major battle. And the apostle John was probably in his 90s when he wrote the book of Revelation. Friend, the Lord expects older believers, myself and you, if you're in that category, he expects us to set the example for our younger people in the church of what it's like to age gracefully, to give, to serve, to be fully devoted disciple and disciple makers. 
to be the model of what we're supposed to be like. One of the reasons I want to behave as an older person is because I had a previous generation in this church who modeled what it's like to embrace change and empower it, even though it wasn't their cup of tea. They drank it all the time because lost people were finding help and hope in Jesus. I can put up with any change if lost people are finding help and hope in Jesus. It doesn't have to be my preference. It doesn't have to be the way we always did it because it's working. Friend, the next generation here is starving for guides and spiritual grannies and spiritual granddads to mentor and encourage them. They welcome them. And we got to step up. There's something else we learned here, I think, from Simeon and Anna. It's this. The highlight of your life may be ahead of you, regardless of your age. When you meet Simeon and Anna in heaven, and you ask them, and I hope you will when you're there, I'm praying most of you make it to heaven. (laughs) I could talk more about that. But anyway, when you make it to heaven, and you meet Simeon and Anna, and you ask them, what was your most significant age and moment on earth? Here's what I think they would say. Simeon would say, my most significant day on planet earth was the day I held the baby Jesus, right before I died. Anna would say, I was 84 years old when I saw the Christ child. The highlight of their life was the last chapter of their life. Some of you may think the significance of your life is over. You don't have much left to live for. I'm telling you, you do. We've had some mountaintop experiences here at Whitewater, but there were some valleys that we had to courageously walk through, some of them financial, some of the ones that are being experienced right now in this wonderful church we love. And whenever I encountered those, it was the Simeons and the Annas of this church that lifted me up and supported me and told me I was not crazy and that we can do this. And they kept providing help and hope. In the last chapter, the last quarter, some the last two minutes of their life. So don't think God is finished with you. How does JT say it? If you're not dead, God's not done. The next phase of your life may be the most significant contribution and chapter that you live in your life. So those of us in this age and stage should be looking for these opportunities. Perhaps it's your grandchildren that you're going to invest in now. Perhaps it will be a note that you write in a Christmas card that will soften a heart and heal a breach in a relationship that's estranged at Christmas. Maybe it will be a huge year-end contribution to the Weary World Hope Initiative. Who knows? Maybe that gift in the last season of your life that you give to help a child in a school or a church will help convert and be the next Billy Graham or the next Beth Moore or the next Jenny Allen or the next Jerrica Humphreys or the next Greg Nettle, or the next David Vaughn, or the next John Tisovich. Who knows what God will do with your gift that will, in a diversified way, bless so many people. And who knows, maybe seeing you tenderly kiss your spouse of 41 years under the mistletoe this Christmas will inspire a young couple to stick through the rugged times because they want what you have in your old age together. So pucker up, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Lastly, Simeon and Anna also remind us that good things happen. I love this. Good things happen to those who hang around the church. Have you ever noticed that the more distant you get from the church, the more difficult it is, the more distance you 
you feel from God, the more trouble you get into. Have you ever noticed the more distant you get away from this book, the harder your life gets? This book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. Sin will keep you from this service as if all of us are not sinners here. Simeon and Anna are a reminder that when you hang around the church, good stuff happens. Both of them were constantly at the temple. Anna, Anna pretty much lived there. That's because they were most likely to encounter God and touch lives when they were at church. Attending church services can get pretty routine. Even around Christmas, you can get in that routine. You like candles, you sing Christmas carols, you, you go home and watch Elf, or I don't know what your routine is. But every once in a while, in the middle of a routine Sunday service, every once in a while in the middle of a routine Christmas Eve service, something special, something unexpected, something life-changing happens that only God sees and only God does. We have had that numerous times at Whitewater in my 20-year here. The memories I have of just, just planning a regular day, and it was usually in one of those all-in welcome home baptism service, we thought we were just going to show up, but God showed up, and God showed off. And I'm so thankful we were there ready and looking for the opportunity. What if Anna would have said that one particular morning before she met the baby Jesus, I'm 84 years old, I've been through routine before, I've been to the temple a lot, I think I'll just sleep in today, I'll take a day off, I'll just mail my offering in, I'll watch online. She would have missed the most significant moment in her life. I know there are times when you have to miss a service for good reasons, but can I just challenge and push you all in this room, and especially those of you watching online for a moment, could I just challenge, what, what are you going to do to me? I, I don't care, you know. What, I might not be invited back, but let me tell you this. There is a real, I've been watching this, I've been studying this, and maybe it's the post-COVID learnings. There is a real temptation these days for a lot of people, especially older people in this aging stage, to stay home. It's safer, it's easier, it's not nearly as much a hassle. And trust me, I understand the benefits of pajama church. I get it. But friend, if you can go to the grocery store and you can go to a restaurant and you can go to a ball game, you can go to church. You do what you want to do and you know that's what you do. Online's a great tool. We put massive amount of resources. Don't know if that's needed as much now. It's a great front door to our Whitewater home, but it's not the kitchen. It's not an equal substitute. There are non-downloadable experiences here you cannot get online. And I love online, but it's not, it's the first step, it's not the last step. W would your lover be satisfied to just FaceTime all the time rather than meet in person? I don't think so. It's hard to kiss online. So maybe a New Year's resolution for some of you from your pastor and donkey and samurai of old, maybe your resolution is to get your butt back here in this seat because this church needs you now more than ever. They need to know who you are. You can't just be out there in the anonymous stratosphere of, of, of meta. We need to know who you are. They need to know who you are and experience the energy of God in this wonderful campus. Thanks for letting me rant a bit on that. I heard it was okay to be real here. I, I heard a series on that. Let me close with this. I have a preacher friend in Florida who shared a great testimony about how a younger woman found their church. 
The young woman said, I was going through a terrible divorce. I needed something. I heard about that church, and I decided to try it out. She said, I arrived a little late. I had trouble finding a seat. I spotted a vacant one in the back, and I sat down beside an older woman who just smiled and nodded at me. She said, the music, the service, the, the servant were so moving. She said, I couldn't stop crying. Tears flowed down my cheeks. I wiped them away. The older woman reached over without saying a word and patted me on the knee and simply said, you're welcome here. After a while, she said to me, you've come to the right place. So I came back the next week. And on the way, I said to myself, I wish I could see that older woman again. I wish I could sit by her. She seemed so friendly. Sure enough, the young woman said, when I arrived, that same seat was available by that same lady. I got to sit her. I slipped in. I smiled. She welcomed me. I found myself thinking, I just wish I had her phone number so maybe I could talk with her. And she said, unbelievably, at the end of the service, that older lady handed me a scrap of paper, said, this is my phone number. If you want to talk, give me a call. That led to a helpful conversation. Eventually, I gave my life to the Lord. I was baptized. Friend, that does not happen online. That experience only happens in a room like this. It could be a small room. It could be a coffee shop room. It could be a school. It could be a living room. But it happens in a room with a real person. And I don't want to focus on the younger woman who got baptized as great as that was. I want you to focus on the older woman in that story. She could have stayed home that day. She could have said, I'm too old to make a difference, but she went with the idea that I'm going to give something, not just receive something. If there was a mistake that I made in my 20 years, I think it was to empower a consumer mindset in this church where you came expecting to just receive, and you do. Instead of coming with an expectation, what can I give? In fact, I can tell your view of the church by your conversation on the way home. Was it good? How did I like the music? How did I like the preaching? You evaluate it based on you. You don't evaluate. I just wonder what God is evaluating about us on the way home. Did they really believe what they said? Did they really give authentically? Did they really worship? She decided to give, and this story that I just shared with you won't happen unless you're hanging out and showing up around the church with alertness and expectancy, which is why Hebrews says, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And notice the very last verse in this story, the result of Simeon and Anna's attention to this little child. Notice the end. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Now check this out. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Friend, that is the goal of every parent. That's the goal of every spiritual parent. That's the goal of this hope initiative in the weary world to help children grow, to help them become strong, to fill them with wisdom, and to give them grace. That's the goal. And friend, the older I get, the more I realize how important and powerful availability, generosity, and consistency is. 
When it feels like you're failing around here, I just have a word for you. Just keep showing up. When things are not going the way you want it, just keep showing up. To my new successor, when you have those tough days, man, just keep showing up. I wasn't the most talented guy. I wasn't the smartest guy. You don't have to say amen to that. I, I didn't preach the best sermons. We didn't have the greatest strategy. We had a pretty nice building. But it wasn't any of those things that made us successful. It was us just keep showing up. We refused to quit. And eventually God showed up and we gave him glory. Just keep showing up. Keep knocking on that door. It may take you to 84 years before you realize it. But if you eventually do, like Sibian, you'll be able to say at the end of your days, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. So thank you for listening and inviting Donna and I back. Hope to see you again. Sure, sometime we will in 2023. Thanks for allowing me to speak into this church family that I still greatly love, just from a different city. And I have, think I took a lot for granted about how well I was treated here because I hear preachers talk about how they were treated. And I thought, man, I thought I had it rough, but I did not. So thank you for believing in me. And thank you for believing in the new me, the new man, the new strategy. And I pray that you'll keep providing help and hope and a home in the church so it can continue to work right, friend, because it's still true. There's nothing like the church when the church is working right. And it's working right. And it can work better if you don't quit. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this group this day, this church, this ministry that I love. I pray for the Hope Initiative, God. It's just one more opportunity to see you work. So I pray for hearts. I pray for lives and homes. I pray for the current leadership here, elders and their spouses and leaders and their spouses who are doing so many things, God, to get the church aligned. So I pray for that. And I thank you, God, that Christmas is for older people too. In fact, this may be the very season when the older seasoned people of our church are, will be the most critical for the future of the church. So I pray for them and their hearts and homes as well. And I ask that now, God, you help us to enjoy this Christmas season, just looking at it from the perspective not just of a child, but of a child of God who although may be older in age, Father was young at heart. And we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen.